Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I am a mom of two girls. Olivia is 14 and Eva is 12. I am a 20-year teacher currently teaching kindergarten. I am also a blogger, a freelance writer, a TV guest, and a podcaster. And you are listening to episode 56 of the show. Today in My Favorite Things, I'll be sharing two excellent nonfiction picks. In the lifestyle segment, I'll be talking about getting your kids involved in the kitchen. And my very special guest today is Carolyn McKenzie. She is the co-host of The Morning Show, which airs daily on Global. And it is also the show where I am a regular contributor with uh, information on education for parents. And I'm very excited to have her on later on. So you're going to want to stick around for that. To kick off my favorite things this week, I want to talk about a great nonfiction book. I'm going to share two today, but the first one is called I Am These Truths by Sunny Hostin. So Sunny um, started it with a legal career, then she started doing legal commentary on television. Now she's one of the co-hosts of The View. And here is the description of the book. What Are You has followed Sunny Hostin from the beginning of her story as she grew up half Puerto Rican and half African American, raised by teenage parents in the South Bronx. Escaping poverty and the turbulence of her early life through hard work, a bit of luck, and earning academic scholarships to college and law school, Sunny immersed herself in the workings of the criminal justice system. In Washington, D.C., Sunny became a federal prosecutor, soon parlaying her wealth of knowledge of the legal system into a successful career as a legal journalist. She was one of the first national reporters to cover Trayvon Martin's death, which her producers erroneously labeled just a local story. Today, an inescapable voice from the top echelons of news and entertainment, Sunny uses her platform to advocate for social justice and give a voice to the marginalized. In her signature no-holds-barred, straight-up style, Sunny opens up and shares her intimate struggles with fertility and personal turmoil and reflects on the high-stakes cases and stories she worked on as a prosecutor and during her time at CNN, Fox News, ABC, and The View. Timely, poignant, and moving, I Am These Truths is the story of a woman living between two worlds and learning to bridge them together to fight for what's right. So, I mean, if you know me, you know that I'm totally into the broadcast journalism thing. And I mean, you know, I've got Carolyn coming up on the show later. And to me, those people are the celebrities because they're the ones that I admire and the jobs that I covet just a little bit. Um, so I wanted to read Sunny's book because she's on The View and I'm interested in all those sorts of personalities for sure. So definitely interesting the whole angle about, you know, growing up half Puerto Rican, half African American, and how, you know, even when you are a minority and a minority being, um, you know, having both of those backgrounds as well, uh, how one side might not really see you as belonging to them because you've got that half other side. So a lot of interesting stuff there, definitely interesting stuff about her legal career and her, you know, her work on TV, which honestly, I mean, I would take another book just all about the TV stuff because I soak that up, but, um, but it's got her whole life there. And also very, I mean, I was extremely lucky when it came to, um, creating our family. But I know so many people can relate to things like her infertility, going through IVF, loss of, you know, children, miscarriage, that sort of thing. Um, and very honest about all of that. I mean, the, the costs, both financially and and otherwise. And, you know, she really is is personal and it's very well written. So I definitely would recommend that one, Sunny Hostin, I Am These Truths. And the other book I want to recommend this week is called So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijoma Olu. 
and I will read you the publisher's description of it and then tell you what I liked about it. Widespread reporting on aspects of white supremacy, from police brutality to the mass incarceration of black Americans, has put a media spotlight on racism in our society. Still, it is a difficult subject to talk about. How do you tell your roommate her jokes are racist? Why did your sister-in-law take umbrage when you asked to touch her hair? And how do you make it right? How do you explain white privilege to your white privileged friend? In So You Want to Talk About Race, Ijeoma Olowu guides readers of all races through subjects ranging from intersectionality and affirmative action to model minorities in an attempt to make the seemingly impossible possible, honest conversations about race and racism and how they infect almost every aspect of American life. So this one, I know I've talked about some of the books I've been trying to read and learn from, um, and I do like the ones that are a little more narrative, a little more personal, as opposed to a lot of research and stats and facts. And this one definitely is. So talking about her herself and her experiences with racism, of course. But a lot of the questions that white folk like myself might have. Why am I always being told to check my privilege is a chapter. How can I talk about affirmative action? Why can't I say the N-word? What is cultural appropriation? What are microaggressions? I just called racist. What got called racist? What do I do now? So I found I did learn a lot there and, you know, a lot to to think about for the future. Some things I almost wish she was more detailed, you know, like what is cultural appropriation? She gave a couple of examples, but a lot of it was more, you know, just being general. And if somebody says that you've appropriated their culture and they feel that way, then they feel that way. And you can't, you know, try to defend yourself if that's how you've made them feel, that sort of thing. But some chapters like what are microaggressions? There are tons of specific examples of little things that people might say, not even realizing it, that are actually microaggressions against, you know, people based on race or other things. You know, like, wow, you speak English really well. Saying that to somebody obviously implies that you did not think that they were going to speak English well. Or is that your real hair? Can I touch it? Wow, that's so, you're so articulate. Do your kids all have the same dad? I can't imagine asking somebody that, but hey, that's that's something. Are you the maid? You're so exotic. That fiery Latin blood. Did you grow up in a teepee? I mean, obviously that one's awful. But you know, some things that you just might not realize and it's just a tiny little thing and oh, I didn't mean to offend you. But so I do love all the parts where she gives lots of specific examples. And then even just in terms of the broader picture, I think it's always good to have another person's experiences and learn from that. So I just appreciated hearing about what it's been like for her to be a black woman in America. So you want to talk about race by Ijeoma Ulowu. Before we get into the lifestyle segment, I just wanted to mention a fun little giveaway that I'm running right now. So as you may have heard me say before, it's always so amazing when people leave reviews for the podcast, wherever it is that they listen. I think the majority may be on Apple Podcasts, but you can listen in a whole lot of different places. And that goes a long way in terms of, you know, who Apple thinks that they should show that podcast to as a recommendation. And also when people just take a look, oh, what do I want to listen to? What's something new for me? When there are a number of ratings and reviews on on there, it can make a huge difference. So I'm doing a little giveaway right now. You have until uh, midnight on October 15th to enter. And all you have to do is wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a little rating and a review. It could be just a few words. It doesn't matter how long it is. Um, just something that you like about the podcast or why you'd recommend it. And then send me a screenshot. So you can send it to me through social media 
So on Facebook and Twitter, I'm at This Mom Loves. On Instagram, I'm at Kate This Mom Loves. And then what I'm going to do um, after October 15th ends is I'm going to pick five people who have sent me those screenshots and they're all going to get a $10 Tim Hortons card sent to them. So if you have reviewed it in the past, I know there are already several reviews on Apple Podcasts and, and probably other places as well. That's fine. You can just go back and find the review that you already posted do the screenshot, send it to me through social media. And I can tell you as of this moment, as I'm recording this episode, I announced it on the last episode. I'm reminding people right now, and there are very, very few entries. And I know it's not because people aren't listening because I've got all of that data too, but it's just a couple extra steps to ask people to take. And I know everyone's really busy and a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll get to that. And they just don't. Or, you know, I don't leave reviews. That's not the sort of thing I do. So if it is the sort of thing you do, you have a very good chance of getting a little $10 Tim Hortons gift card and also of making my day. It means so much to me when people take the time to do that and to help spread the word about the podcast. So thank you in advance. In the lifestyle segment today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about getting your kids involved in the kitchen. Now, my girls, as I mentioned off the top, are now 14 and 12, but they are absolutely amazing in the kitchen. I do think it would be fair to say they cook more than I do. Uh, they're responsible for a lot of their own meals. They have always packed their own lunches. Um, I packed Olivia's when she was in kindergarten, and then when she went into grade one and Eva started school, I thought, nope, forget that. And so Eva has literally packed her lunch for every single day of her educational career, and Olivia started in grade one. So they've always done that, getting them involved in, in meal prep and all of those sorts of things. So just some tips and ideas to share. I also wanted to include some tips from Emma Yardley, she wrote a great article for hgtv.ca called 10 Clever Ways to Get Your Kids More Involved in the Kitchen. So I will link to that in the show notes, but I want to talk about some of her ideas too. So one of her ideas is planning, planning meals together. And that is a really great idea because when kids have some input and they can decide what they want, then they're more likely to, to buy in. And also you want their help in the kitchen, but you also want them to eat stuff, right? To not have waste and to have them eating a little more healthily if possible. So definitely you know, planning and having them involved with that is a great idea. Hosting. So there's two ideas for hosting here. So one that Emma talks about in this article is pretend you're hosting a favorite cooking show or have them dressed up in aprons and hats. We definitely have always, and by we, a lot of times it's my mother providing these lovely things, but we, you know, they've had aprons and all of that sort of thing to make them feel like it's the real deal. But when Eva was, I think, about eight, she started doing Eva's Kitchen, and it was mostly baking, and so she would have Olivia. Olivia would record using her, I think, her iPod and then the iPad and just use iMovie to, to patch things together, and so she was about eight. Olivia was about 10 when this started, and it probably went for a year or two, and Eva would just do these little cooking shows, and Olivia made the videos, and I would post them to uh, to my blog or to Facebook for people to see, and they just love that and it motivated them more to get involved in things, which was good too. Starting your kids young. And I think parents, I think maybe as a teacher, and I've been in primary for several years now in kindergarten for, for the last four and a bit, I think sometimes parents underestimate what their kids can actually do independently. So for example, sometimes a parent will say to me, you know, sorry, he's still not so good with the coat and boots yet. It's like, no, no, he actually does them four times a day at school all by himself but he doesn't do them at home because you're still doing it for him. So the more you can get them involved in doing things on their own, um, I've never been too much of a, you know, over worrier about safety. I mean, we teach them safety things about if you're going to use a frying pan or, you know, that sort of thing or using knives. 
um, and then supervise them the first few times they do it and all of that until they get the hang of it, but then just kind of leave them to their own devices. Eva loves to just come up with recipes and make things. It can be great to give them you know, cookbooks or, or baking ideas. I find sometimes now though, it's just the internet. It's being able to, you know, I've heard of such a thing called Nutella cookies. And so then she'd Google Nutella cookies and find what looked like the best recipe or find what we actually have ingredients for. And it's funny because before they started baking and doing all that themselves, I, I will admit I used a lot of, you know, boxed cake mixes and boxed brownie mixes and that sort of thing. And I never really had a lot of ingredients per se. And now our pantry is full of, you know, all of the canisters with all of the different things that that they use, which is amazing. And it can help too to make them independent when they know you're not going to do it. So obviously when you've got little ones, you bake with them so they learn and they're watching you and they love the idea of it. But then as they get older, it's, I want to bake cookies. Well, okay, if you want to go make them yourself, go for it. And also the cleaning up process. Now, I mean, there have been some times where if Eva has made us a huge brunch with a whole bunch of different elements and whatever, well then sure, I'll take on the job of, of cleaning up after that. But you know, if they want to bake brownies, they bake them, they clean them all up, and they know that they won't be allowed to do it again anytime soon if they don't uh, They don't follow the expectations. So it can be good to just kind of let them do their own thing when they have friends over. It's a great thing to do to let them bake or let them cook their own meals. I mentioned having them responsible for making their lunches. That's a good thing too. Something that we've always done is had an ongoing grocery list. So years ago, we made up um, a checklist and it was done by aisle of our local store at that time because we used to actually go in and pick out all of our groceries. So we check off all of the things we need. And so the girls, as soon as they could you know, read, they would know, okay, I used up the whatever, sour cream. So I'm going to go check off sour cream or write it on the grocery list so that we know. And then if they're looking ahead, oh, I want something different to pack for my lunches next week, or I'd like to bake such and such. I mean, right now, as I record this, we have Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of days. And I think it will just be the four of us for our own little household Thanksgiving, but they have ideas of the desserts that they want to go with the turkey and everything. So they've already put things on the grocery list so that we know what to buy. And I think just being relaxed about mistakes I mean, obviously we've had some wasted ingredients with burnt things or, you know, putting in salt instead of sugar or whatever. All of those mistakes have happened, but obviously being easy going about that and everybody makes mistakes and we all learn. And I think another thing is just, you know, the idea of eating it. And that's what Emma wraps up with as her 10th tip too, is just getting your kids hooked by eating together, having them feel like that meal time or that snack time together is something to enjoy and then they want to be part of it and they want to be involved as well. So I can definitely say that they weren't doing this when they were toddlers, of course, but it's something that we worked at. And as with a whole lot of other elements, chores and those things, some people I know probably think, oh, your poor children, you make them do so much. But I have absolutely no doubt that this is going to pay off for them in the future. And it's starting to pay off for me now. So it's been a good investment to teach them to do all of these things. So something that you might want to think about if you have some extra time these days, or especially if you don't, is doing some things to get your kids involved more in the kitchen. You will not regret it. And just before we welcome Carolyn McKenzie to the show, I do want to remind you, if you're looking for me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves, on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. My website is thismomloves.ca, and there are sections there for my blog post, for links to my TV segments, print articles that I've written, and of course, to the podcast. You can find all of the past episodes there. 
and this episode is number 56. I'm so excited to introduce my special guest this week, Carolyn McKenzie. She is the co-host of The Morning Show, airing daily on Global, and she is also a mom of two. Welcome, Carolyn. Thanks, Kate. Happy to be here. So I want to start with the whole pivot that the show had to do um, when COVID hit. So you guys moved really quickly from both being in studio to being able to do it from home, at least one of you from home at a time. How was that whole transition? Well, you know what? Uh, there really wasn't much time to think about it. When I, when I look back, we just did it. I mean, other shows decided to go off the air to figure out what the next step was. We, we decided to just stay on the air. I think we thought at the time I, people needed information and friends more than ever and mm -hmm. we just decided to ad adapt to the change before us. So, so we did, and we were just kind of trudging through day by day and figuring things out on the fly. And what did you find were the pros and cons of being able to shoot from home? <sighs> pros, I may have gotten to sleep in 10 minutes longer <laughs> because I, I cut out the commute. So I didn't have to yep. get on the road and go to the station. There was also the luxury of getting up and staying in your PJs for a little bit longer as you get the coffee ready and you log, log into, uh, in, onto your computer and you can, and it just, there's the, the comforts of home. But then, I mean, that's short lived because then once everybody wakes up and the house gets loud and you don't want it to be loud because you need to put on a show, it, then it starts to get complicated and then it's no longer as, as, as comfortable as, as I would like. So those are, you know, the pros and the cons. I've always said I, for me to be, for me to do my job, I want to be in the space that where I don't have to think about a million different things that I don't usually think about. So when I'm working from home, now I'm worried about lighting. Now I'm worried about audio. Now I'm worried about my connection to to the station. And now it's just now I'm my own IT, my my own tech support. Mm -hmm. And as you're preparing to do a show, a one hour national show, and with a number of different interviews and conversations and and chit-chatting with Jeff, he, normally you just want to be in that element of preparing yourself for the hour that is about to unfold, but more just from the editorial side. But then you throw everything else on top of that. And that, that is, uh, you know, a whole new ball game that, that this pandemic presented itself, particularly working from home. So that's why I really <laughs> prefer going to the studio because then I don't have to be IT. I don't have to be tech support. I don't have to be the lighting person for my for for me, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah. And in the spring, you also, of course, had your children home at the same time. And how old are they now? They are nine and twelve. I love it how I always. Well, I don't love it. I'm not very proud of it. I always pause. I don't know. I don't know if this is. It's a sign of what's happening to me and my age or, or it's the pandemic, but oh my gosh, remembering my kids' age is it's getting harder and harder. 
but uh, yeah, they're nine and 12. The last time I checked. Very good. And I know your husband is an essential worker, of course, firefighter. And so you guys kind of redoing your own shifts at home during the whole spring piece of the COVID too, with, you know, the childcare and the work and all of that. Mm-hmm, for sure. And we're continuing to do that, even though Jeff and I are back in studio most of the time, there are the few shifts that I do have to cover at the house and my husband works because we've entered the second wave. My mom is now is, is exiting our bubble again, or actually has exited because she just wants to see how school plays out and how everything works within our little community before she exposes herself to that. So she stepped out of the bubble again. So I, I, I just gotta, I gotta hold down the fort here at home when my husband leaves early in the morning to head to the fire hall. And now that you are back in the studio, how are things different in terms of safety protocols and setup? Well, there's far fewer people. I miss seeing you, Kate, in studio. Yeah. <laughs> I miss seeing other other guests and contributors in studio. I, I mean, I think a big part of our show, I think our entire show is is based on relationships that we have formed with with our our morning show family and other guests who pop by. I think, you know, we see our studio as a second home and our our friends and family and contributors all enter the home that is all ours and and it's a nice everyone the viewers pop by for an hour and I we don't have that right now. You know, we're, we just don't have, people are still popping by, but they're popping by virtually. And, and as much as we want to say, you know, we're, we're still doing it. We are still doing it, but mm-hmm. it's, it isn't the same. And I can't wait till we do get back to what we were doing when people can, can stop on by the studio and, and, and have some fun with us. Uh, I think that's, well, that's what makes conversation great is when you can look at someone in the eye and you can, and give them a handshake or a hug, you know, that'd be all of those things would be really nice to do again. Well, I know as a contributor myself, it does feel like I love your show. I love the studio. It, it is very homey and you do feel like family and, and I miss that. And even as a guest, there are certainly advantages because I commute in when I need to come to Toronto. And, you know, so of course the, the travel time and, and things like that, there are some advantages, but I think it really does add something when you're just there in person, even just the weird things like looking at the camera on the computer instead of just looking at each other. Like normally when you have a live segment, you're not all staring at the camera, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just all a different feel so yeah I think it'll be it'll be great when things well when and if but hopefully hopefully when things get more back to normal that way Mm -hmm. for sure for sure been over a year now with your new hour-long format of the show so you're 9 to 10 a.m on global every morning and obviously COVID threw things for a loop but what are you liking about you know the new direction of this show The, the new direction well we, as you said, we launched the one hour format, which is fantastic. And we were so excited to do that because it just, we knew there was so much more that the show could offer. And there was so, we were, it used to be a half an hour national show and there wasn't enough time. It wasn't enough time for, mm-hmm. for the conversations, for the cooking segments, for the stars that stopped by. It just wasn't, we knew there was so much that we could fill in an hour and so it is it's been absolutely wonderful that we have that hour now that we could fill and move things around and every day it's such you know we just i before i talked to you on this call 
I, we, we finished our editorial meeting and we were planning tomorrow's show. And actually we even started planning the, the following shows. And it's always, it's such a, a, a cool puzzle. We're always moving pieces around and going, okay, do we have too much of that? What do we need? What are we missing? What do we still need? And it's really neat to kind of, I do see it as a puzzle in all the different pieces. So having one hour to juggle around segments and interviews, it's, it's great. It's, it's, I love having that real estate on the air with regards to the pandemic and COVID, how that's changed things. I mean, I was a little reluctant at first because we thought we knew who we were before the pandemic and what we offered to our viewers. And with, as you have said, we've had to pivot because we think Canadians need day-to-day information. We, they need the information. COVID is changing by the day, sometimes by the hour, that our our show has had to implement COVID information, this and news information that we haven't generally done in the past. So we are we've 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 adjusted and and now I I'm I I like what we're I I, I I'm embracing now. I mean, at first it was I was a little reluctant because I'm going, this is not normally who we are, and mm-hmm. but uh, I I do like what we're putting putting out right now because it's a real balance of. The information you need for your day, and then let's settle it. Let's kick back and have a good time. It's a combination of a little bit of seriousness because of the latest, you know, the the news cycle that has happened since we signed off the day before. We're going to bring you up to speed on that with that in in that regard. But then we're gonna then we're gonna have have some fun and have a have a good time. Give us some scoop on your co-host Jeff MacArthur. What are some things viewers might not know about him? Ooh, I think there's a lot people don't know about. <laughs> he 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 has a he's a cloak and dagger is something he has with it in his briefcase. <laughs> we, we're always trying to um, pick away through that through that cloak and dagger. You know, it's funny. It's uh, but every, you know, I've worked with him for a very long time, and. What I do know about him is as private as Jeff is, and I'm the exact opposite. I, you know, I, I'm, my family reminds me, I'm a little too much of an open book. So it's, I I guess it's kind of funny how the two of us work. I'm, I, I, I spill it all and Jeff keeps his cards a little closer to his chest. But I mean, what is, I think, clear and apparent is, is that he's, he's of good stock. You know, he meet, he's a good guy. He is, I find so funny. I, I just, I think his, his wit and his, his dry sense of humor I, and, and also his dad jokes, cause we always make fun of his dad jokes, but <laughs> I think he's, um, he's good stock. And I think that is, is, is very apparent. And, and so you're saying, what don't we know of him? I, I mean, I think I'm saying what I think you do know is that is just how, how what a good guy he is. Yeah. Uh, what you don't know, um, don't you know? I mean, I don't know. I don't. What you don't know is I don't know. I'm still trying to figure <laughs> that enough, out myself. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Well, I'll move on to another question. So I interviewed you almost exactly three years ago to the date for my website. And I can remember going out to the car on my lunch break because I'm a teacher. So interviewing you out in the car. And right now I'm doing the same thing, but I'm in my classroom interviewing you on my lunch break. And you had talked about moving from being someone doing the news to the morning show and the version that you were doing then and how you found it challenging then having the chance to share your opinions because that's of course not not what's done when you do the news so how has that been and even now when you've got more time uh, no more time for the show and you've been doing a little longer you said at that time you were always wrestling with how much do I say how far do I go and and how is that going in terms of you know moving from the news to being able to share your opinions on on tv I think I'm more comfortable far more comfortable than when we first spoke about that, I've, I've now been in this role for, for some time and I have, and I, and my role, like even, even the title being a lifestyle host now takes away that, that journalistic responsibility where you don't, where you have to always remain objective. I don't, I'm not that, I do, I'm not, I don't, Performed by those rules anymore because I don't see myself as that person anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, being a lifestyle host, so I have, I, I, I don't have those same pressures. And I, so I feel, uh, I feel I'm far more comfortable because I've been, I've been now doing this, uh, for, for some time. And, and I guess, I mean, but we still, every day when we talk about what are we going to talk about on the show, we do still talk about what what are people talking about what what would viewers want to he- hear us chat about what are they talking about in their in their houses and i'm not so much and i don't know if we're so much giving our opinions well occasionally we are but or it's just adding to the conversation adding mm-hmm. a little something to someone's conversation and maybe adding the side that they may not have had thought about or heard, but I guess we're just joining in on the conversation. We're, but we really don't want to be, we don't want to be all that opinionated. That's not really our show Mm -hmm. to be, to be, uh, you know, standing on a pulpit, just kind of preaching. That's, we're just kind of getting in on the conversation. You also said back at that time how you were taking negative tweets or social media comments, not that there were a lot, but they they do come in, that you really would take them to heart and stew over them all day. Is that something that has changed, I'm curious to know, or is that just kind of who you are as a person that those sorts of things are going to get to you? That will never change. Mm -hmm. That will never change. I always, I've always, ever since I was a kid, I've I've always been hypersensitive. So, and that is one thing, you know, what you guys don't see, you were saying, what don't, what don't people know about Jeff? What don't, what don't... My goodness, you can tell the the hours are adding up on to uh, on, on the day right now. I'm trying to string together the sentence. What don't you know about Jeff? And that is one thing you probably don't know about him is that we speak to each other daily, multiple times a day. And when when uh, we're not joking around, he's he's propping me up. You know, he's supporting me. If I'm having a bad day, he's gonna, he's there to prop me up, and I'm and vice versa. And there are days if I see a tweet or something negative come through, I'm like, uh, uh, why do they feel like this? And then he'll, you know, he'll, he'll give me some words of advice and he'll help me out through it. So, um, 
But to your question, does it still affect me? It, of course it does. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, uh, I, I can maybe take the, my jabs for my family far better than jabs <laughs> from viewers and, yeah. and, and, and the Twitter verse. I mean, I just find Twitter can be very negative. So it's, it, it can be, it can be tough at times. And I, I wish I could say that I don't, I don't internalize what I see and read, but I, I, I still do. And, but at the same time, some things there are, I mean, I do believe in constructive criticism. So when people, some people, if I, I see it's coming from a good place and I think it can make me better or the show better or what Jeff and I do better, then I will share it and I will definitely try and learn from it and, and do better the next time. Mm-hmm. Shifting to the family side of things now, we talked about you having two children in elementary school, and I believe your family made the same choice as mine, that they have returned physically to school. How was that decision-making process, and how's that going for you and your family? So far, knock on wood, it's going well, um, but I mean, we're still so early in, in this in this game, in the second wave. I I think my kids are just, this is their third week back. So like I said, so far, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's for a short period that they're back, I'm happy they got a change of environment, a change of scene. Uh, teachers, again, actual teachers mm-hmm. who aren't their parents, <laughs> you know, so that's been, you know, that'll, even if things, and I hope things don't get shut down, but at least for this small window they they were they got to see their friends again and their classmates and they they kind of had a taste of what we what we had prior to this pandemic so that's been good how was the decision how how did the decision making process go leading up to back to school uh it wasn't too difficult i i try i i saw what the school was doing I I was fairly aware of our community and and the transmission rates here and how and where cases were at. So I I was fairly comfortable. I was I was pretty comfortable with them with them going back. I just it was reward risk, and I just thought when you're comparing the two and evaluating that, I just thought at the moment I think the kids can benefit quite a bit from from going back, even if it is for a short period of time. Another serious question before we finish up with a couple lighter things. You have opened up recently about being diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. How are things going with that? Well, I'm still trying to figure things out. I haven't started the the RA drugs yet that I've been I've been prescribed because I, I wanted to give I wanted to give myself a chance to learn more about my body. What what brings about these, these flare ups. And I don't know if I have the answer to that yet, but I do know I am about to start, uh, some of the RA drugs fairly soon because I did have a fairly rough summer, a lot of pain, a lot of flare ups. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing when I read about rheumatoid arthritis and I hear from other people who suffer from it, I, I know there's there can be environmental causes. Uh, there, I know stress can be a factor. I, I, this summer, I had work, COVID. Uh, it's you know those 
that, that was all fairly stressful. So, um, I just don't, the qual your quality of life suffers. I'm okay. So here's, here's, um, looking back at the summer and here's a, something I look back on and the fact that I didn't get to water ski this summer. Mm. We are, we were a water skiing family. We love to do it. And this was the first summer, Kate, in how old am I? 45. See, I can't even remember my age anymore. <laughs> I don't know how old I am. But, um, well, I haven't been skiing since I was born. But anyway, let's just say in, you know, 30 years, I haven't, I haven't, this was my first year, summer, not water skiing at least once. And that was because of, of the arthritis. So, because it just, it was every weekend I had a new, a new joint pain that I just, I wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to do that, that sport. So, and speaking to my doctor, that's, we're a fairly active family. And when it starts to impact your quality of life, that life like that, then it's just not fun. And Carolyn's not a whole lot of fun when she's in pain. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's time. I, um, <laughs> I, I think it's time I, I, I do something about it. And I, I think I'm ready to, to start some medication to see if this, if it can help. Well, I certainly wish you all the best with that. Okay. I will lighten things up a little bit to wrap things up here. So this can be just a quick one. I'm curious to know any famous women in broadcasting who you have looked up to or who you, you know, follow footsteps of or who have learned, who you've learned from, are there any that, uh, that you can share? Well, you know, like everything, because the, I mean, because the job has changed. So have the people mm -hmm. I, I look up to, I mean, in the early years of news, I always and I remember running into Heather Hiscock. She wouldn't remember that from CBC. I remember running into her at a an election campaign, someone's campaign somewhere. And I remember saying that, you know, I've watched her for years and uh I've always admired her work and how she how she how she carried herself and how she interviewed and all of uh, all of what our jobs encompass. But um but the even but that's changed because I'm no longer I mean, still watch Heather. I think she still does a great job, mm -hmm. but you know, now, you know, who, who do I look at that I admire and I th do, and I like, um, you know, even Hoda over on today, mm -hmm. you know, that's, she has, she strikes a great balance of very personable, but, can, but still does, can still do the serious interviews. She, she can strike a really good balance of, of, of serious journalist and fun lifestyle host. So that that's I th I think she 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 she's pretty dead on. She mm -hmm. she's spot on on uh on what what I guess the role I'm I'm doing now. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, and I've heard you say many times that you're in your dream job and and I believe it. Is there anything left to aspire to or work goals, something else you want to make sure that you hit in your career? Hmm. And it is so hard to see beyond the day mm -hmm. and the week, well, especially right and now. And so many, yeah. I, and I and I see colleagues and peers and people who have these side hustles, and I have no idea how they pull it <laughs> off because I am so involved in the show, and it. <laughs> I put so many hours into the show that I just can't even imagine doing something else because with this and. Helping the kids with the homework, mm -hmm. I uh, I am very, I'm pretty much tapped out. But having said that, if I were to 
look down the road into my crystal ball. Um, I've fantasized about the idea of writing something. Mm. I don't know what, Kate. Is it a screenplay? Is it a book? I've, I have these, I, I have ideas and I think they're great storylines and but I just don't know the time it would take I've interviewed enough authors to know mm -hmm. <laughs> this takes time and you need to you need the time and the patience to plug away at something and I I don't uh, yeah right now I don't even I, I don't have that but I don't know maybe 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 one day one day down the road <laughs> and the last question I always ask my guests is, do you have a This Mom Loves, some sort of recommendation or favorite thing to share with listeners? Maybe it's an app that you love, a beauty product, a book you've read, anything goes. This Mom Loves, a good old-fashioned board game with her kids and hubby. Any board game favorites at your house? Even Oh, wow. We've got a few. We've got Monopoly. We've got Scrabble. We've got Game of Life. That's the, that's the kid's favorite. I, it I, takes so long. I, I feel like I've my Game of Life. <laughs> I know. Uh, cards. I mean, you know, it doesn't even have to be a board game. I'm, I, li I like old school games. Pull out the cards. We played a lot of cards over the course of this pandemic. And yeah, this mom loves old school. Mm -hmm. I Kate, I'm I'm reading Little House on the Prairie with my son right now. Right. I when it when in doubt, go back in time <laughs> to simpler times. There you go. You know, you can I I can you can we can all learn from the Ingalls family on how uh simple living just is brings you together. Well, there's a perfect way to wrap up. So you can catch Carolyn McKenzie mornings at nine on Global, co-hosting the morning show. And I will have links for all of the places you can find her in the show notes for this episode. Carolyn, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kate. And as we get to the end of episode 56, I do want to thank all of you for being here. We have just celebrated our Canadian Thanksgiving and I truly am grateful for you to have listeners to keep my hosting dreams alive. I'd like to thank Lucas Sound for always doing such a great job sound editing the episodes of my show. And until the next time, take care.